You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Good morning. You can be seated. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Now, we've been talking about uh, the book of Esther for the last several months, several weeks. Um, Esther's a strange little book in the Old Testament. It's there to tell us uh, why the Jews celebrate the festival of Purim annually. When we started the series, we kind of went through the whole story and we saw the importance of banquets in the book. So do you remember this? Do you remember this uh, little chart that we put up? King Xerxes starts with a massive banquet. It is a huge citywide all-week drinking party for the entire city of Susa, Persia's capital. Everybody was invited, great and small. Now there's a reason why banquets are so important. They're a major way of showing honor to others. And in the book of Esther, we see time and again honor. What's being told to us about honoring others. Now the king starts by honoring the nobles and military officials of his kingdom. Esther 1, 2, and 3 says that in the third year of his reign, King Xerxes gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persian media, as well as the princes and nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted for 180 days, a six-month-long drinking party. A tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire, the pomp and splendor of his majesty. Now, when it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people from the greatest to the least, not just the nobles and the military men, but everybody who lived in the city, the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days. It was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains, blue hangings which were fastened with white linen cords, purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. You get the idea, right? Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. You get the idea just how how opulent this was. Drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs. There was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, this is now law. 
No limits were placed on the drinking for the king had instructed all his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. Everybody came to this week-long party. And even the queen, Queen Vashti, held her own banquet to honor the women of the palace. Now, that tends to imply that the king's banquet was for men only. And anytime you get a group of men together drinking for seven days straight, things are going to go south, and they went south. The king sent word that he wanted his queen, Vashti, who was very beautiful, to parade around in front of his guests. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, you get the message right, he told the seven eunuchs to attend him to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. Now, we mentioned already that uh, the Jewish commentators from the time of Jesus believed that he wanted Queen Vashti to wear the crown, just the crown, if you catch my meaning. We don't know if it was that way, and frankly, it doesn't matter. Because what he was asking to do, even if she was fully clothed, was treating her like an object. It was parading her around in front of the other drunken men in the city of Susa. When Queen Vashti heard that, she saw nothing but negatives for herself. She saw that as demeaning, dishonoring. She saw that as shameful. And so she said, no. Now, frankly, I think that was a good decision. But when the king heard it, he didn't think so. The king is now shamed because his wife refuses to do what he asked asks. So he reacts. He divorces her on the spot. And he begins to look for a new wife. That new wife is Esther. And we've talked about that before. We've gone through this story three times already. And you know how the story goes. He, he found Esther. He brings Esther into his harem. But then something unexpected happens. He falls in love with Esther. So much of this story is built around the Eastern concept and customs that surround honor and shame. Sounds strange to us because we don't view honor and shame in the same way that they did. But still, we talk about honor. We just don't use those terms, we talk about prestige. We talk about respect. 
In fact, we get on social media and we're impressed by those who have more followers than others. Well, what do you think followers are? They are people who are saying, we respect this person. We are interested in this person. We are following them because at least to some extent, we want to see what they have to say. Others seem to honor them. We are shifting as North American culture towards an honor and shame-based society. And social media is leading the charge in that shift. Now that's not bad. It's not necessarily good. It's just reality. It is happening. More and more as a people, we live our life simply seeking to avoid being humiliated, being disgraced, being discredited. In fact, we've invented a new word, being dissed. It's not necessarily new. It's from about 10 years ago, but it's short for being disrespected. And we want to avoid being disrespected. Well, let's go back to the story of Esther. The next thing we learn in the story of Esther is the villain of the book. His name was Haman. Now, sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite. Over all the other nobles, he made him the grand vizier of the nation of Persia. He made him the most powerful official in the empire. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by, for so the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. First thing we learn about Haman is that Haman loved receiving honor. That plays into the story again and again. We learn that Mordecai refuses to give Haman the kind of honor that Haman was actually looking for. Mordecai refused to bow down before Haman. Now, Haman thought that Mordecai was just disrespecting him. That's not really what was happening. Mordecai refuses to bow down before Haman because he sees bowing before another as an act of worship, and he refuses to worship anyone other than God. We see that in the story of the three friends of Daniel, in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now that probably happened a good 50 to 70 years before the story of Esther, but the precedent is there. The Jews don't bow because they view bowing as an act of worship. Well, Haman didn't see it that way. He thought Mordecai was simply disrespecting him. So he decides to kill Mordecai. And he figures while he's at it, he'll kill the rest of the Jews as well because they also 
Don't bow when he walks by. He enacts a law that gave Persians the right on a particular day of the year, March the 26th of that year, to kill any Jew that they want and take their possessions. Now, we told the story of the book of Esther three times already, but we have left out a story each time. And it is my favorite story of what happens in the book of Esther. It's at this point that Esther decides to act. She is going to approach the king and ask the king to reverse that law. But she does it in a very particular way. She comes to the king and says, please grant me what I'm about to ask. The king says, what do you want? And she says, I want to throw a party for you. I want to hold a banquet at which there will only be three people invited. You, me, and Haman. She holds the banquet. The three of them show up. At the end of the banquet, the king says, Okay, Esther, what do you want? And she says, I want to honor you with another banquet. Please, tomorrow night, just the three of us, you, me, and Haman, come back for a second banquet. Now, Haman is absolutely elated. So we, we continue to read now in Esther chapter 5. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai, sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. He goes home and he's in a funk now and he, he's talking to his wife and his friends and he's complaining about Mordecai and how Mordecai is disrespecting him. When his wife, Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested, well, set up a sharpened pole 75 feet tall. In the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. Haman thought, good idea. It pleased Haman. He ordered the pole set up. Now the plot twists. The king has trouble sleeping that night. So uh, he, he asks his attendants to come and read from the book of history that's held in the palace so he can look back over everything that has happened to him in the kingdom. That night the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring the book of the history of his reign so it could be read to him. In those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They had planned to assassinate King Xerxes. What reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked. The attendants replied, nothing. Nothing has ever been done for him. At that time, it's now morning and Haman is coming to ask the king to kill Mordecai. 
Who's that in the outer court? The king inquired as it happened. Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to impale Mordecai in the pole that he had prepared. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in and the king said, What should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? And Haman thought to himself, Oh, right. Who does the king want to want to honor other than me? And so Haman says to the king, Oh, take one of your royal robes, one of the ones that you've worn out in public and everybody knows it's yours, and put that around his shoulders. And then get one of the royal horses that you've rode. One of the horses that still has the king's emblem on its head and have him ride around in your royal robe on your royal horse and have one of your high officials lead him through the streets shouting, this is what the king does for those who honor him. And the king said, yes, that's it, excellent. Quick, take the robes of my horse and do just as you said for Mordecai the Jew. He's just sitting at the gate of the palace. Leave out nothing that you've suggested. I love this story. <laughs> this is a great story. Haman now is madder than a wet hen. He is fit to be tied, but he can't do anything but do what the king has commanded. And now Haman, who has just gone to the king to ask him to impale Mordecai, is leading Mordecai around the streets of Susa shouting, this is how the king treats a man who he wants to honor. Wow. Story goes on. They hold the secret banquet that night. At the end of that banquet, the king says, Esther, what do you want? She says, my family is going to be killed. My friends are going to be killed. There's a man in the kingdom who has plotted to kill them. And he wants to kill me. The king says, who? And Esther looks at the third person in the party and says, him. And Haman comes unglued. You know the story. We've gone over it a couple of times. What happens next? The king takes Haman out and has him impaled on the pole that he had set up to kill Mordecai. The plot is foiled. The annual festival of Purim is inaugurated to celebrate it. But what do we learn about honor and shame? That's what we want to talk about this morning. We learn, first of all, that there are inappropriate ways to seek for honor. There are those who would clutch at honor. 
These ways usually end up backfiring on us. There are two ways that the book of Esther talks about clutching at honor. The first one we see early in the book. When the king says to Vashti, come in and parade around my friends to show them what kind of power I hold over you. We clutch at honor in our warped and twisted minds when we intentionally dishonor others. Now you would think that that would be silly, that nobody would do that, but when you look at what we do as a culture, it's all around us. Have you ever heard the term trash talk? Isn't that what we do? It's not just about how great I am. It's particularly about how lousy you are. Trash talk. We trash talk each other's. In fact, culturally here in America, we have a habit of attacking each other will say something that we know is offensive to the other person. And then we smile because it's just a joke. And the hurt and the pain is still there. We do this so often that we don't even recognize that we do it. But think about it. When you tease others, what are you teasing them? about? Aren't you calling out something that you know they're sensitive about? Aren't you saying something to them that hurts? And you know it hurts. But then you smile and you call it a joke because you know that next week they'll say something about you. We give pain to others, and we call it a joke. Second way that we clutch at honor is by self-promotion. That's what Haman did. He was constantly promoting himself, seeking out those who would bow before him, those who would tremble nervously. And when he found one who wouldn't do it, he couldn't stand it. Now, we want to be careful here. We want to avoid self-deprecation. We want to avoid getting down on ourselves. But on the other hand, we also want to avoid false self-promotion, telling others how wonderful we are. Usually not by saying it in those ways, but there are other ways we do it. Both of these clutch at honor. And typically they backfire. We end up being shamed. But there are two others in the book of Esther who receive honor. 
Mordecai receives honor because he served the king. He did his job. He did it well. He was careful to see it done and when an opportunity to see the king change and perhaps get a little bit better life for himself, Mordecai said, no, that's not the right thing to do. So he served the king well. And as a result, he was honored. Esther received honor because she honored the king. We receive honor when we serve others. We receive honor when we honor others. So what about us? Our theme for the study of the book of Esther is it's time. Well, it's time to honor someone. It's time to look in your life for the people that surround you. Who is there that we can honor? And how can we honor them? So I googled that. I went online and I said, how can we honor others? Every single response was about how to honor someone at their funeral. Every single response was about the how to honor someone when it's too late because they don't receive that honor. That is a sad statement about America. We don't even think about honoring someone until it's too late. Well, it's time to honor someone. Think in your life. Who can you honor? There are two primary ways that we can honor people. We honor people by giving gifts. And meaningful gifts. Get to know somebody well enough that you know what they would really like. It doesn't have to be big. It could be small. Second way that we can honor them is by acknowledging them verbally. Could be verbal or it could be in writing. You know, we don't send notes to each other. We should. Let somebody know how much you appreciate them. Honor them by acknowledging them. There is a third way to honor someone. And that is simply by listening to them. We live in a society that loves superficial communication. But when it comes time to actually hear someone's story, that takes time. We honor someone when we take the time to listen to them. It's time to honor someone. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, the whole topic this morning is strange to our ears. 
It's hard for us to think about honoring someone because it's so foreign to us. Forgive us, Lord, that we've allowed it to be something foreign. Help us as we look for ways to reincorporate it in the flow of our life to honor others. Show us, Lord, how and to whom we ask it in your name. Amen. You know, we've uh, talked over the last several months about reaching out to others. In fact, one Sunday we actually wrote down the name of people that we want to reach out to. Think of that list. Think of the people that you're praying for. You're looking for an opportunity to share Jesus with them. Which one of them can you honor? Might not be the person at the top of your list, but that person might be down in the middle of the list, but they did something this past week. Which one? Think of an individual. Let a name be floating in your head right now. How would that person prefer to receive honor? What is it that you can do? Maybe just going up to them and telling them, you know what, what you did, I thank you for that, but it's more than thank you. I respect you for what you did. Maybe you know them well enough and you want to get them a gift. Maybe just some flowers. Maybe a little trinket, something that'll let them know that you care, that you appreciate them. When will you do that? You know when you'll see him this week? Or when you're likely to see him? It might be a range. It might be Thursday or Friday. But you're going to look for the opportunity to sit with them, listen to them, share with them, honor them. Who will hold you accountable? Find a friend. Tell your friend what you intend to do. Ask them to ask you if you've done it after the time that you said you would. That's accountability. It's time to honor someone. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. 
Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.